Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. I am spiritual coach and astrologer, Millie Murillo. I'm here with my co-host, Ashley Torrent, psycho-spiritual counselor, medium, and psychic. Today, we want to talk about three ways where we can be intentional with our therapy and coaching sessions. So I, I find this to be something that is important because I think it brings it back to us and realizing how intentional we can be with our journey and as well as allowing our journey to be what it needs to be. So there's a balance there. But I think that with anything, when we set an intention, it's not a matter of going into something to be perfect or to get it right as much as it is grounding the experience so that we can actually connect with what's wanting to be connected with in that moment. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's a relationship. Yeah. I I thought, you know, in my own sessions and my own experience, there have been times where I show up to therapy and I'm not, I haven't grounded or I haven't given it enough thought. And I'm very mindful of that because I don't want it to just become something that I show up because it's in my calendar. It's still something that is very important, not just to me uh, in, in a personal way, but also, and I think even more so as a professional who holds space and facilitates for others, remembering to be intentional when I go into my sessions has become an important part of my process. Mm-hmm. Well, you're participating in it. And I think we need to remember that it's not just our therapist or coach job to do the work. And it's really hard. It's hard when you have a client who you feel like you're dragging along or isn't not invested, but maybe isn't as interested in the process as maybe you are. Because I love what I do and I get excited. And if someone's kind of there, but not there, and there can be a teaching piece. I mean, some people need to take a minute, but then there have been people where they're just not as invested as you are. And you as the practitioner can't be more invested than the client. Right. There's a lot of problems in that area. And I think we need to remember, like we we talk about often that everything in life, we're in relationship to everything in our life. And therapy, there's a relationship. You're in relationship to your own healing. You're in relationship to the person you're working with. So how do you show up to that relationship? Is it something you're thinking about and participating in in the way you want it? You know, it's really interesting that you you bring up the the concept of of this being a relationship because interestingly in astrology, the house of relationship that rules relationship that would normally just be interpreted as romantic relationship or friendship is also the house of relationship with a therapist or coach. Oh, what house is it? It's the seventh house. It's seventh the seventh house. house of partnership. So essentially it is the house of partnership. So whoever you have a one-on-one partnership with in any way, whether it's business, romantic, personal, or in, in the therapeutic sense, you know, it could be your personal trainer, or it, just anyone who you have a relationship with, especially for those of you who are more astrologically savvy and for those who are not, it would be interesting if you got a reading that told you there's a lot of action in your relationship sector, the relationship house of of your chart. And I think that a lot of times people lean into romantic relationships, but it's relationships at large. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about it, when you look at it from that perspective, 
it really reminds you of how much your relationships are a mirror of what's happening in in life for you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna can I can we stick with this for a minute? It's not on topic, right. but I'm a little curious. Yeah. So if someone's looking at their seventh house, what would mm-hmm. a lot of activity look like? Like how would they know it's a significant part of their life? That's a great question. I think that one, you have to see if you have any planets in the seventh house, if you have any placements there. It could be planets, asteroids, points. And if there are, then that's a significant part of your soul's evolution in this human life, which most likely represents that you do need some kind of facilitator to reflect back. It's not about good or bad, good or worse. It's it's not about that. It's just about that there's something about relationships and there's something about others reflecting back to you that is is a big part of your evolutionary process in this lifetime as a human being. Mm-hmm. Additionally, if there are transits, so what transits are is what are the current planets in the sky doing? What sign are they in? What part of the cycle are they in? How long is the cycle? So if you are aware that you have transiting planets in the seventh house, then those transiting planets are affecting, they're activating things around relationships, which on the one hand, if we're speaking specifically about therapy or coaching, amazing time to have breakthroughs in your in your therapy, right? Or again, this this is all dependent on which planet and the energy, but you can have a breakthrough with your therapist of, oh, this finally makes sense. Or a breakthrough with a therapist that says, oh, my time with this particular therapist or coach has ended because now I'm evolving into something else. And that requires that someone else with a different specialty holds space for me. Mm-hmm. So we go into the intricacies of relationships in every way with, with a facilitator. That's really interesting. Yeah, I love that. And and when you were talking about reflection and I am someone that needs that facilitator reflection processing relationship. If I go a couple of weeks without a session, it's not that I can't work on myself, but I need, I need to process out loud. I'm just someone that needs that. And I've been in therapy more than almost as almost half my life, which either means I'm really old or I've been in a lot of therapy, probably both. Um, but what I realized is when I found a therapist that was aligned with me, mm-hmm. I began participating more in that relationship. And so I want to say that's really important. And we're probably going to talk a little, little bit more than three ways. But I just want to say, if you have someone that's really aligned with you, then you find yourself more invested and interested or participating in that relationship. And I also want to say that Sometimes we're invested in our healing and we're trying, but we're so traumatized that we can only be in session and then we can't do anything afterwards. It's like we dissociate or we just can't go back into that space until we're in a safe space with our therapist or coach or facilitator. So I want to say that just because I'm saying it's really helpful that you're invested, if all you can do is show up for that hour weekly or every other week, that might be just enough for where you are. And that's okay. So what Millie and I are talking today is probably if you've been a little farther along in your therapy and you've had that relationship with your therapist and how can you be more intentional with it? But even if you're just showing up weekly, that's being intentional and that's enough. Like for me, showing up to therapy is paying my electric bill. It keeps the lights on and my heart and my mind. (laughs) 
So I have to do it. That's such a great way of putting it. And and I thank you for, you know, clarifying that almost off the bat, because I think one of the things that I, I do always try to get across, it's it's not about perfection, it's about no. intention. Yeah. You know? And so because because of the world that we live in, which can tend to lean into a very linear way of living and being, which is not real. I think we can we can sometimes look at our healing or our journey, just our journey as humans in in that way. Mm-hmm. So, I think this is the perfect segue to go into one of the three ways to be intentional with our sessions. And the first one, which I I learned from from Ashley, because of something that that you said, and I thought, oh, that's so interesting. Is it okay to share that? Yeah, absolutely. So, the first one is creating a list of patterns, blocks. Or just simply observing why you feel blocked. So I this struck me because when we were in Costa Rica and so many things were coming up for us, you know, you said, I have a list of things that I want to talk to my therapist about. And I thought, oh my God, that's that told me so many things. One, the the amount of self-awareness that you have, like, oh, that's a trigger, that's a trigger. I don't know how to feel about that. That's whatever it was for you, right? And so there's enough presence within you to be like, oh. That rubs me a certain way. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but I need to discuss it, right? Mm-hmm. And and two, that's being intentional with your process. So making lists of things. And, and here's where we get into the intention versus perfection, I feel. It can be a word. It can be listing a scenario. This came up and it made me feel a certain way. I don't know what that way is, right? But it bothers me. It hasn't left me. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. I, I observe myself having this reaction or response to what someone said. And I didn't say anything, but making a list of things or one thing, making a note of one thing and bringing it into session, I think we can underestimate the power of that gravely. Mm-hmm. And and when that happens and it's brought into session, woo, the the things that can be uncovered that I feel that's when this work can be <laughs> a lot of fun and very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Because you're working it out with someone else's perspective or reflection. And sometimes when we're in our own stuff, like this morning, I was just telling Millie, I've been in like a PTSD episode for like two weeks, which is interesting. I can work and do great work. But when it comes to myself, I can be a little fuzzy in my brain or just things aren't as linear as I'd like them to be. And my therapist pointed it out. And you'd think after all this time, I would be able to recognize it. And I just couldn't. Mm -hmm. So I love having that outside perspective. and. When we were in Costa Rica, you know, I was just like, you know, listening to Danae and Vanessa teach and, you know, just witnessing all these stories and then you teaching and all these things like hitting me. And I'm in a place in my work where I can do a lot on my own, mm-hmm. but there are things that hit a pain point. And I want to be with someone in that process. I don't want to go there alone. And I think that's totally okay because I think we don't have to do this alone. So sharing that space and, and the people that I work with, and when I work with people, I mean, I love my clients. So I know I'm taking something to be worked through in a loving space with someone who actually cares about me, even if I'm paying them, but to have them support me and also to witness the aha moments. Mm-hmm. And then witnessing the aha moments is also helps me integrate it, you know, because doing it in the silence of yourself sometimes it can feel great. But that witnessing is just really beautiful. I think the witnessing is so necessary because there are times where I have clients, 
you know, privilege of witnessing an entire journey for however long we've been working together. And then all of a sudden, they make an observation that perhaps at some point in their journey, they wouldn't have been able to make or hold something differently than they have. When we do that by ourselves, it's very easy to just pass over those moments that are key, (laughs) (laughs) that are key to this is what this work has been about. Mm -hmm. So there are clients who listen to our podcast. And so they know that I'm like, I need to name this. Like we need to say what just happened out loud. And I need you to like see it a little bit from an outside perspective, because this shows what you've been doing. Mm -hmm. And I want to remind you, right, of where Mm -hmm. you were a few months ago, a year ago, because this is different. And, Mm -hmm. And having someone be able to see that, name it, say it out loud, and then say, where, how does it feel in your body? Where is it in your body? Where does it reside? Where is it coming from? All of those things are so important to our journey because that is how, again, that's what helps us evolve. That's what helps us become much more self-aware. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then I want to speak to, you know, we we're talking about making lists of things we want to talk, but also patterns and blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you have this experience. But I'll notice like I'll do the same thing over and over again and I'll have the same feeling or meet the same resistance or the same outcome. And I'll just kind of notice it and become numb to it until all of a sudden one day I'm like, Oh my God, keep doing the same thing, you know? And then it's like this moment of just like, and I can't seem to get out of my own way. And so I love noticing, okay, where am I getting in my way? Where am I having the same conversation with my child? And I just feel like my head's hitting a brick wall. Or where am I showing up in the same way to my creative work or whatever it is? And looking at those areas in my life where I keep repeating those patterns or I feel stuck and waking up to them and then bringing them into that space. I mean, I did it. I did it this morning with my therapist and I already noticed just by saying it out loud to her. Though I kept thinking, how am I going to break this pattern? I, I just don't know if I have the courage or the ability to do it. And then I came home and just the awareness and speaking it out loud, I was like, no, I can show up to this differently. I can. And I tried it and I was like, oh, I just make a lot of hullabaloo over nothing <laughs> sometimes. And then there was peace. But I guess I just needed to own or name that I was stuck and then try something different. Oh my God. Sometimes just saying the thing out loud is the release that the body needs to allow the solution to flow. Yes. Truthfully. Yeah. I I think that that's where, you know, when people say like the the problem also holds the solution. I mean, I don't know who said that, but I know that has been around for a long time. Yeah. Sometimes all you need to say, all you need to do is say it out loud to someone else. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, Oh, oh, okay. That's, that makes a lot more sense just outside of the constructs of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Two of my favorite, this is totally off topic, but two of my favorite Millie phrases are, oh my God, and that fucking guy. (laughs) And it's the way you say them, they're like deep in your throat, in your body. And you sound like you're, you're total West Coast, but you sound like Jersey, New York, like back where I was living. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then they bring up this laughter in me because I know whatever's being said or happening is hitting a place in you. <laughs> and they're that. my favorite. They're my favorite. I was like, when I was in Costa Rica, every time you just said one of those, I was like, oh. 
That's so funny. Well, thank you for witnessing me. Yes, the oh my God is so West Coast of me. Like the absolutely. That is just, and you're right. It is when something is like hitting me and that fucking guy, like fucking guy, like it just comes out. I don't know. It's great. So thank you. I love that. No, that's great. I love that. I love being witnessed like that. Thank you. Yeah. That just shows that just shows that I'm really comfortable with someone. Mm, oh, I love that. Yeah. I think that again, creating less and let's say, and here's another thing, because I can already kind of envision or see like, well, I don't know, like immense lists of things being brought in, right? You also want to mind that it doesn't have to be that structured. These are notes and 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 so one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of times when we notice patterns, they are for us to notice and to hold. So yes, creating a list and bringing it into session is one way. Noticing a block and, and perhaps jotting it down is one way. But what we're talking about here is much more of the intention that you're bringing into session yeah. more than what you're doing. Yeah, And I want that to be discerned really well because... A lot of times, you know, we can take things a little too literally. And and I'm someone who in my sessions is I don't have a rubric for my coaching program. I allow for what wants to come up in that moment to come up because more often than not, that is what needs to be spoken about. The difference is that if we are not present enough with that, then we can just go an entire 50 minutes to an hour just talking about our day. Yeah. Being totally checked out. Exactly. And so what the point with one of the tools being creating a list is you don't do that. You're not checked out in a in in a 50 to 60 minute session where you can actually be very checked in. Yeah. Yeah. And to make it more confusing, I haven't brought that list to my therapy. <laughs> what it did was it landed all the things that were floating around. It landed them on the page. Mm-hmm. And most of them, not all of them, have naturally arisen out of my landing them and paying attention. And also, if you're noticing what's present for you, you usually will lead you back to wherever you need to go. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it just always does. Even if you're like resistant to be there, you don't know what to talk about, which are my favorite days. I always say, strap on your seatbelt. This is going to be a good one because <laughs> we're not just triaging trauma or triaging, you know, the chaos or the events or relationships, we're actually going deeper where we can actually just like do some more. Thank you for that clarification. Cause we, you don't need to, to make tons of lists and you could probably only process one thing in a session, maybe two. Right. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe two. two. <laughs> that takes us on to point number two, which is noticing dreams and stories that keep arising. So I have an interesting relationship with my dreams. I think the first part of my life, a big significant part of my life, dreams were extremely vivid and kind of scary, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that as soon as like I started processing with astrology and therapy and all of that, my dreams weren't so scary. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because the stuff that was inside was being processed externally. I just wasn't keeping it all in. So as I look back, I think that that feels right as I say that, as I make that assessment about my process. But dreams are incredibly valuable. 
dreams and dreams require time, I think, to discuss because they're, they're absolutely not literal. I think it's more dreams are more symbolic than anything else. I think for yes. some people, depending on your psychic ability or level or the relationship that you have with your intuition and that part of, of the mind, I think they can be foretelling of something and still not to be taken too literally, but to watch what unfolds. Mm-hmm. But processing dreams in, in sessions or perhaps even, you know, going back to a dream, that's, that's something that I actually did with, with a previous therapist that I had this really significant dream. And she said, and I thought, go back. It was a pretty scary dream. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, now that you've processed it and you have a different awareness of it, you can hold it differently. But it was so impactful that I went back and it was so different. To set the intention before I went to sleep to go back to that place, first off, is so incredibly powerful. Wow. And second, to be aware that I was going back to a dream to understand something, mind-blowing. So I think dreams are, are a really big deal. Yeah, they're the way our subconscious is communicating with us. When I first started therapy, I had, I mean, for years, I mean, not even when I first started, for years and years, I would have nightmares like I was in war with terrorists, the mafia, like I was always in danger. And what I learned over time is those dreams were telling me how scary things were and Mm -hmm. how I hadn't processed that terror I'd felt as a kid. And so when clients have these kind of nightmares, they usually have a severe trauma, big T trauma background. And so it's good to help them understand that your dreams aren't trying to scare you. They're trying to help you understand how bad things were. And it's your trauma trying to communicate with you. Mm. And I remember a point where I would actually start having dreams where my response in the dream was different. And that felt like, oh, I'm healing. Like I'm fighting back. I'm speaking. I'm yelling and being heard. So your dreams can really tell you where you are on your healing process. And one thing you can do is you can look at Well, I think it's good to write them down. At least if you can't write the whole thing, try to summarize it or notice the main characters. One way to approach it is everyone in the dream is a part of you. Everything in the dream represents something, you know, a part of you. Mm -hmm. And like you said, dreams aren't literal. So there are many ways you can do that. You know, something I'll share is that over the weekend, I had the worst dream of my life. And I dreamt that I was assassinated and my child was too. And I was holding him when we died and I woke up and I was sobbing. I was just sobbing and I haven't had that kind of that kind of dream. And I took it to my therapist and she was like, she was like, well, you're in trauma brain. But she also said, good news, bad news is she goes, you've done so much healing that your protective parts are just fighting to keep you safe. And they think by scaring you, you'll stay small because the retreat was a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. The retreat was huge. Mm-hmm. Putting myself out there, being in front of people, all the good stuff happened. You know, when I came back, my subconscious and all my protective trauma parts were like too much. And then they've been kind of trying to scare me back. But that's just because they have antiquated thinking that they're protecting me. So the good news is she was saying it's like one big last final pull, you know, before I kind of maybe tip over the edge into a healing process. So that was a terrible dream and terrifying. But it was also representing my fear of annihilation, you know, and mm-hmm. that, that fear that's always been with me. So naming it, actually, I could leave that session today and feel, okay, I could let it settle into my body in a different way. And that was really helpful. Thank you for sharing that because 
you bring up such great points in that, let's see, today is July 10th. It, it has literally been over a month since the mm. retreat. Right. It, like a month ago, the retreat actually ended. Yeah, today. Yeah, a month ago. Today. So one would think, oh, you just had a great time. It was a great time. <laughs> and that's what you do. And, you know, on to the next thing. Like, no, that's yeah. not. I don't think that's how anyone works. And if anyone is working in that way, and this is coming from a place of experience, you're not in tuned. <laughs> you're not in touch. Yeah, you're not. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that this retreat meant so much to you in so many different ways. I think mostly good. Yep. And it triggered all of these other things. And what you're doing is giving yourself time mm-hmm. to really hold the entire experience and process it and observe what else comes through. Yeah. With the assistance of your therapist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I love this so much because. We live in a world of what's next onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And then for those that especially that have a social media presence, it can seem like that. Oh, they have so much going on. Oh, they're doing so many things. And it's like, yes. And I think that some people are probably more mindful of, I'm not done with this. This is Mm -hmm. still bringing stuff up. Mm -hmm. This is important to name because of course... I'm sure we have clients that are like, why am I still thinking about this? Why is this still affecting me? Why is this still in my, you know, periphery or whatever? Instead of asking why it's still there, can we hold it with a little more kindness and compassion? Can we just hold it? Can we just observe? It doesn't want to leave yet for some reason. It doesn't mean we don't function, but there's still something that we need to look at. Mm -hmm. To your point, that dream. Yeah. Which you just had this weekend. This weekend. And... After all the work I've done, I was saying to you earlier, I'm pretty good at naming when I'm in a trauma response, but I didn't catch this one because I couldn't, because this is where it gets tricky. The retreat was so great. And I would assume that it didn't trigger me because it was so great. But actually the greatness of the retreat triggered the parts of me that said, that is so dangerous to be that connected to people and to have that much exposure and that much love. You know, it. I'm like, duh, (laughs) I was not prepared. I was totally caught off guard. Yeah. And so having that level of presence and awareness with our dreams or what we can remember about our dreams or the stories that keep arising on a, on a daily basis that require presence, because there are so many stories and narratives that run through our heads, like on a loop. Right. And we don't notice until we make an intentional effort to actually just slow down a bit and say, wait a minute. That's really mean, or that's, that's a lie. That's, you know, having that level of presence requires us to move a little bit slowly, a little bit more slowly through life so that we can appreciate it. And again, bringing it into session so that it's not something that you feel you have to do alone or that you feel doesn't matter. Because I think especially dreams, they matter every time. Oh, they so matter. And the thing is, those patterns and blocks, they all have a story. Mm-hmm. Those, all those patterns and blocks have a story. Like my patterns and blocks have a story that if you do that, you're not going to be safe. Mm-hmm. And so I, every time I keep buying into the story that I'm not safe, I stay stuck. So that's how we can like start paying attention to like, okay, so I have a block. There's a story that goes with it. What's the story? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And of course, 
noticing where you feel things in your body. Yeah. Especially with dreams. You know, we have such dreams are such a visceral experience. I mean, sometimes you wake up crying, you wake up screaming, you wake up sweating. Not too long. Oh, this is interesting. I just remembered. I think it was about two. I got back to LA Tuesday evening, like the following Tuesday evening, Thursday morning. I woke up with what felt like somewhat of a, like a little bit of an anxiety attack in the middle of the night. Like I couldn't breathe. And, and it took me back to the last anxiety attack I had when I used to work at a law firm. I remember that, that moment in that feeling. I had it in my cubicle. This is crazy. I hadn't even thought about this. And when I woke up, it was the same feeling. So it was crazy how I immediately remembered that feeling from that moment a few years ago. But because I was still processing so much of what the retreat brought up for me personally, my body felt like it had to go into that state. Wow. Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. That is really interesting. It just didn't know how to do it. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we have to remember that no matter how lovely the experience is, we also have to honor that they can trigger us in a certain way. And, And dreams and certain narratives around how we hold really beautiful moments in our lives. Yeah. They're definitely going to give us more information about what's really happening. Mm. And I think going into those things is going to help us along the way, just hold beautiful moments as beautiful moments. But even that has to be learned. Definitely. And that takes us into, that takes us to point number three, which is how can I hold, how can I hold what comes up with me while it doesn't make sense? So it's kind of like the before, the during, and the after. Like, what do you bring into the session? How do you observe yourself enough when you're not in session? How are you present enough to observe what's coming up in your life? And then what happens after session, right? What happens once something comes up, you have an aha moment, and it's like, how do I continue kind of nurturing that or hold it differently, not let it take over my capacity to function as a human being? So how do we hold that? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I mean, I feel like grace and compassion are the first things I would say is like when you have a big awareness. Today I came home and I just laid down for like 20 minutes. And I just knew that what had come up was really big. I knew what my body had been going through. And I and I know I need rest. I need rest to integrate and process these things. And I need the energy to hold these big awarenesses. So I find one way is to rest. Mm-hmm. What about you? I know rest is important to you too. Oh my God. Rest is so, so important to me. And it's something that I still struggle with allowing myself to have. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that came up, it continues to, to be quite honest, is when you have experienced years, even a lifetime of trauma, your body is exhausted. Like it's beyond exhausted. The fact that we function at all with the awareness and the knowledge that I have now is beyond me. Yeah. Beyond me. So one of the things that happened when I when I quit my job and, and just started doing this full time is that I didn't really from the start start doing this full time. It took me about nine months to actually get something started. And I had such an issue with that because it was like I have a plan and I need to start and I need to do this and I need to do a whole mess of things. I couldn't. I was so tired. I was so tired. 
And I didn't understand why. Mm. Honestly, it wasn't until probably two years later that I realized, oh, I couldn't function because my body was just resting from a whole bunch of trauma. Yeah. (laughs) So when we are in session, depending on what we bring into session, there are some things that are either like a little relived or in my sessions, I do inner journeys with clients and those inner journeys are a lot of work. You know, they meet different parts of themselves. They make space for that part. They communicate with that part. And maybe it's the first time they actually communicate with that part. Maybe it's the first time they become aware that they have different parts. All of these little things are work that requires so much rest afterwards. Mm. And I know that that was a pretty long answer, but I think that rest is something that we struggle with because of the world that we live in. Yeah, it's not, it does not promote rest. And I love your answer. I mean, it's a really good one. And I love when you share your personal stories because I think, you know, we're not just sitting here as practitioners, you know, spouting our wisdom. Like we live this too. We're, I mean, you and I, we're, we're into our healing. <laughs> It's like I always say, it's a part-time job and I don't get any money for it. I am pissed about that. (laughs) So true. So true. Yeah. So I think that rest is one thing. I think that connecting with nature in whatever capacity. So, I mean, I live in the city. So to get to just being in nature can be kind of a drive. So I like to go to the park and I like to take off my shoes and walk on the grass and be with my dog and let the sun hit my skin, sit next to a tree. Like all of those things just help. So if after a session you feel tired, please understand that you feel tired because you just worked. (laughs) I think we people don't underestimate or don't realize like the work. And if you've been in trauma, you've been hypervigilant or, you know, just hyper aware and survival mode for sometimes weeks, months, years, sometimes a lifetime. And then when you start doing your healing work, you kind of step out of that trauma space and your body's like, whoa, it's been holding on so tight. And then the muscles, like just like your whole body needs to relax. You know, anyone that has listened ever before, but knows nature is nature's my space. When I lived in New York City, we didn't have any nature. I, I remember my therapist, she's a New Yorker. And I would go to her and she was like, I was like, I just crave nature. I need nature. And she was like, what do you mean? There are plenty of green spaces. I was like, no, this isn't nature. Like a right. triangle of grass is not nature. But on Wednesdays and Fridays, maybe Saturdays too, they would have a farmer's market. And on certain days, it was a really abundant farmer's market. And I would walk, I would pace the farmer's market to be around fresh fruits and vegetables. And like, living food and things. And I would come home, like I would push my kid in the stroller when he'd be sleeping. I'd have flowers attached to it. I have bags. And Lara was like, I'd walk in the apartment and Lara was like, who are you feeding? And I hate to say it, but sometimes that food would go to waste, but I just needed to, I was buying it because I needed to be near it. (laughs) Wow. That just blew my mind. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you do that too? Well, you know, I don't go to the farmer's market as often as I would like. Yet, going to the farmer's market is such a treat. And there is this feeling of there's something, there's some defenses that just kind of go down a little bit. 
Yeah. Just strolling. Yeah. And it makes so much sense because plants are alive. Food is alive. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You just blew my mind. That that just feels like you're right, which makes sense why, you know, we can gravitate towards flowers. They're not just pretty, they're alive. Something calls us. There's a connection. You know, at the farmer's market, there's there's food, there's produce, and it's alive and it's just been picked and it still has dirt. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I would walk in plant stores. I would just walk in and out or through them. I would buy plants and they would die in my apartment because I didn't know what I was doing. But I I just like obviously I didn't know at the time, but I look back and I was just craving. And this morning, you know, I was in the ocean all weekend, but I drove to the horses this morning and dropped my kids off there and I was just walking through the woods. And that's a different feeling than the ocean. You know, I mean, just being in the woods, my body calmed in a different way. And sometimes it's calm in the ocean, but sometimes the ocean is like rowdy. And it's another thing, you know, and that that's another type of connection. But it was so I just my body was instantly like, oh, butterflies and flowers. I'm good. Wow. I mean, you're just making me think of like, for instance, my this is interesting. My mom, my brother, my sister, all three of them have green thumbs. Mm-hmm. They have the most beautiful gardens. They grow the most beautiful plants. They really enjoy going to nurseries. I don't know. I, I, I've tried and I'm like, why do we have to be in a plant nursery for four hours? This is, this is a bit much, guys, right? And, but for them, it brings them so much joy. It brings yeah. them, like, you could just see it in their faces. Mm-hmm. And so my mom has been doing a lot of her own internal work in her own way the last couple of years. And her garden has absolutely flourished. Wow. But she spends hours. She, she'll spend her Sundays. Her Sundays are for her plants. And if mm. you walk into her porch, it's just, it's like a little, it's like a little jungle in there. Wow. Everything is thriving. Everything is perky. Everything is green. Everything is colorful. And not too long ago, I went to visit her and we were just sitting there and I thought, oh my God, this is how my body felt when I was in Costa Rica, just sitting yeah. in the middle of all of her plants. Yeah. So all of that to say that I think that what gets you in touch with anything that is alive is going mm-hmm. to help settle what comes up in session or what comes up for you, or at the very least, allow you to be present with yourself. Nature mm-hmm. is so... It's incredible in any way that we can connect with it. And moving your body, moving the energy. I mean, you know, we said rest, but sometimes we have a lot of energy that rises and we need to move our body or gently connect to our body. True. And the nature, the grounding of that can be really important. I just know that when I get in my body, whatever that looks like, what sort of physical activity, whether it's yoga, sometimes crying gets me in my body. Laughing can get you in your body. Nature gets you in your body. But being present with your body and just seeing how it's feeling and, and seeing if you can move that energy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we're talking about all of this, and, and I remember bringing this up when we were, you know, thinking about what, what topics we wanted to talk about. One of the things that came up was if we are this intentional and present, how can we have the space in our lives, in our mind, the capacity to pay attention to anything other than our process? Mm-hmm. Or anything other than what really matters. And so this, this brings me to astrology, actually, because in astrology, the planet Saturn is the planet that represents boundaries 
and the planet that rules the sign of Capricorn. And Capricorn, that that combination of Capricorn-Saturn energy of the Zodiac is known as the energy that minds its own business. And so I'm not talking about like a Capricorn person in general. Don't let your minds go to, I know this Capricorn. It's more of the energy that we all embody because we all have Saturn Capricorn energy in our, in our charts. So if that exists, there's something about really minding, not just our own business, but minding our life, minding the process of our life. Now that doesn't mean that we ignore our partners or children or anything like that. It's more about how present am I with that? Again, we're aiming for intention here, not perfection, because I think you know, there are different parts of us working at different times. And yet the ability to notice something's off mm-hmm. or why am I paying so much attention to somebody else's, I don't know, drama. There's something about minding ourselves, minding our process that makes life feel different because we're not mm-hmm. distracted by a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that was off tangent, but I think that's important to name. No, I think we do need to mind our process because it it's we're we're containing it in a way. And I don't mean like containing it like you can't feel how you feel and you should contain your feelings, but yeah. like you said the boundaries we're keeping it in check. We're keeping ourselves in check so that our stuff doesn't leak out on other people. Like mm-hmm. and and mindfulness is just I think can help you with any of this. You know, so many people say, "Well, mindfulness is exhausting." And I'm like, "No, thinking all day about all the million things is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness isn't exhausting. It brings us into the present moment and allows our body to relax. So if we have a mindful awareness of what am I thinking and feeling? What is my relationship to myself today? What is my relationship to my healing today? You know, am I in it? Is there something I need to be working on? Or man, am I taking a break? Do I need to rest? It's just that mindful awareness helps us be in that relationship to it in a more loving, graceful, compassionate space rather than it be feeling out of our control or not knowing where we are, it's spilling out everywhere. So beautifully said. And mm-hmm. and and I think that we're we're painting this like bigger picture here so that there's an understanding. If there's something that you're going to therapy for, if there's something that you're seeking a coach out for, it's not so much just that session that's going to quote unquote change your life, is how you carry yourself outside of that. It's how you carry yes. yourself outside of yes. that. And that is, I think, where the biggest growth happens because it holds you accountable. If we're mm-hmm. in session talking about certain things yes. and outside of session, we just, we just go back to making the same decisions over and over again. Nothing's going to change. And so we're talking right. about this because it is a, it, it, it's, it's a holistic process. It's not just showing up. And if I do these things right, if I show up to this session and I do the right things, then my life is going to change. That has a lot to do with it. And most importantly, how you hold it outside, how aware you are, how present you are with yourself, what's coming up. Are you noticing if you're around certain people that, you know, take from your energy and how, how do you make a different decision from that? All of those well, things. That's where matter. you practice, right? That's where you practice and implement the new awarenesses. And if we're not practicing, and sometimes practice is, mm-hmm. I'm going to lay down for 20 mm-hmm. minutes today. And sometimes practice is, I have gotten frustrated or mad at my child or my partner in the same way over and over again. And today I am not going to talk through that anger. I'm going to mm-hmm. take a breath and choose different words. 
you know, and that's our responsibility. And then we come back to personal responsibility, which I think is a through line through everything. What is our responsibility in our healing and in our day-to-day life and how to hold this? And when we're showing up in session and when we're showing up out of session, where are we being responsible? I think that makes all the difference, truthfully. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes there can be this expectation that a facilitator is supposed to just say the right thing and it's just supposed to, or show is to do a certain thing and that's supposed to just be the magic pill that changes our lives. And it's not, no. that's not how it works. Mm-mm. And and just to, and also to name it is that I think that a lot of, I don't know, marketing, advertising <laughs> into do this, do this program, and your your life is going to be changed forever. Oh my gosh. Sorry, go ahead before I... No, please go. <laughs> Lair and I were talking about this this morning, Malaire, my husband. What works for you may not work for someone right. else. Like He and I are always talking about what works for him and what works for me and what works for you, Millie. It's like there's all these different modalities and things. And, and even as a therapist, we were saying this, like we can say the same thing to our clients and 20 different ways. And one day they'll be like, Oh, you've never said this to me before. And we're like, no, we said it. We just use different words, different vocabulary, different, you know, but but people hear things differently and we're also ready to hear things differently. So it's not one size fits all. So just because someone is using CBT or someone's using breath work or whatever it is, um, or different types of coaching, it doesn't mean if it's not working for you, it's, it's, I think what you get is that it's not one size fits all. You have to figure out what works for you and what your relationship to that is. And yep. um, that's part of your responsibility in the process. Right. And it's not going to do the work for you. It's not going to fix you. You are in responsible for being in that Absolutely. healing relationship to yourself. I think that when we work with with any kind of facilitator, I think more than anything, they just, at least what I've received is teaching me how to look at my life and myself differently. So when that happens... And I come across something, a pattern of mine. And, and of course, because of this practice that I've had with someone else, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. For instance, what part of me is working right now? What part of me is, is present right now? And then it is through that practice that I am able to say, Oh, okay. I don't want this part of me to take over. What does present, current, knowledgeable, wiser me know right now? So I bring that as an example mm-hmm. because. There, there, I think there's a lot of things out there that make a lot of promises. And again, it's not a one size fits all. No. My personal experience with clients, I'm a spiritual coach. These are the things that I talk about. And I, these are a lot of it comes from my experience, the knowledge of astrology, being certified in positive psychology. So all of these modalities go into one. And still, my experience with clients is different. Of course, it's going to be. It's not about better or worse. It's just we all see life through a different lens. Yes. And, and the clients, for the most part, tend to understand, oh, because of what we talk about in session, I'm meant to approach this differently. So it's personal responsibility is massive, massive, massive. Yeah. That was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us in another conversation. We hope that it's helpful. Just to remind those of you out there, I am co-hosting a retreat in Antigua, Guatemala with another fellow coach. Her name is Barb Haynes. We're going to be in Guatemala from October 3rd through the 8th. It's going to be yoga, astrology, meditation, 
a lot of body integrative work. We're going to go hiking. We're staying in a house. It's all going to be safe. We're going to have meals. It's just, it's going to be a beautiful time. So if you are interested in that, please reach out and know that there are payment plans available if that's something that you need. Mm-hmm. And keep an eye out for something both Millie and I are part of. It's called Soul Circle. We're hosting events of intuitive and mediumistic messages and also just soul connection and community. Those are monthly right now. And I think by the time this comes out, I'll have already started my next intuition development and spiritual mediumship class. Keep an eye out for a fall date when I'll be teaching that if you're interested. So as always, thank you, Millie. Yeah. Thank for a beautiful you. conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. Bye.